0: This show was first broadcast on FreeFM 89.0, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access radio station. For more information on our station and our wide range of programmes, visit freefm.org.nz.
1: This is FreeFM, it's the chills and uh, doldrums. Here's a small piece of trivia, you, uh, you may not know Max Christopherson. Um, uh, good morning first of all, but I went to school with Martin Phillips. You went to school with Martin Phillips? I went to school with Martin Phillips, and he was a year ahead of me at Logan Park High School in Dunedin. Um, oh, I bet that. And I was in the same year as his sister, Rachel, who uh, who's actually a really good bass player. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's a lovely fella. A really nice piece of work. Really good, good Yeah, he, uh,
0: he obviously had a huge impact on, on, on my life and, and uh, anyone that was involved with student radio in the 1980s. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I, I never want to hear Pink Frost ever again <laughs> because it got so absolutely completely slaughtered during my time at Contact FM. Yeah, so, yeah uh yeah. But yeah, it's fantastic. I think the great thing with Martin Phillips and, and many of those uh, Flying Nun artists is they're still playing. And that to yeah. me actually says, you know, they love the music first and foremost. And they're still going today, and I think that's fantastic that they're still active, still recording, still creating, and and good on them for doing it.
1: And hasn't he fought his demons too, you know, and he's still still just back for more. I think um, uh, Andrew Bruff and I knew each other pretty well too. He was, you know, from... He was in Sneaky Feelings, wasn't he? uh, Yeah, yeah. And the likes. And he he talked about Martin Phillips saying he was an incredibly hard fellow to get on with at times.
0: Yeah, uh... I'd I'd say that in my history, Sneaky Feelings were, for me, the the finest of the Flying Nun bands. They were the one... That was the one band out of the Flying Nun um, sort of package of bands that really caught my ears as having something just slightly removed from what the main flying nun genre was about, and I've always had a soft spot for sneaky
1: feelings. Yeah, they play with more than one string, I think, didn't they? (laughs) (laughs) That That was the difference with them. That was Shane Carter's lot, wasn't it, from Christchurch? Is that right? Um, now let me have a think.
0: That's good. Now, I'll have to go back and look at that yeah. one. Shane Carter was with Straight Jacket Fest. Straight yeah, Jacket
1: yeah. B pun right? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, listen, we've we'll, we'll, we'll flexed our musical muscle now. I want to talk about field yes. days because it's the first day, mate. Over here, I don't know what it's like where you are on the bay, but at the moment here, it is grotty and wet and muddy, which is perfect field days weather.
0: Well, it's it's normal field days weather over here. It's it's uh, it's fine, but. You know, one of the things that happens around here is that folks in the bay, they make a beeline uh, for field days for Mystery Creek, and uh, it affects people over here as much as it does anyone uh, in the Waikato. One thing is, um,
1: um, before we go any further, you said Mystery Creek. Why is it called Mystery Creek?
0: Now, there is a story behind that, and unfortunately, I would have to look it up. Now, here's a, a side story about that, and I can look it up in my wife's book. She Mm -hmm. literally wrote the history of Field Days in about 1995. It's a green-covered book. And uh, the Mystery Creek Saga is detailed where that actually comes from. And I'll I'll, I'll look it up in my wife's book. Do it. And I'll tell you next week what the history is. But it's a great old story, and uh, I'll I'll check and confirm that next week for you.
1: Because it is one of Hamilton's great mysteries, I guess, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Now, Mark... Speaking of mysteries, yeah. this week, this weekend's column, I've been itching to do this for some time, and I've just been a little bit scared that what might happen is I'll be seen as one of these, uh, silver tin hat wearing, um, believers in, <laughs> all sorts of oddball mysteries. <laughs> now, people that know me probably think that that is actually who I am after <laughs> all, but this week I come out of the closet.
1: I remain comments saying...
0: Go on. Yeah, go on. Go on. <laughs> so what I'm asking is, where are the Hamilton X-Files? What where mean? are the Hamilton mysteries? Where are other than Mystery Creek? Oh. Where are the Hamilton UFOs? Where are the things that we can prove and verify that happen in Hamilton? And again, I bring my wife back into the discussion here. She wrote for the Waikato Times in the early nineteen seventies, yeah. and she went out to I think it's Patearoa to visit crop circles no. in No.
1: and that was,
0: that was, that was thirty five years ago. Really? So I thought, okay, time to write this and time to ask the question. Can anyone in Hamilton come up with a mystery, bigger than Mystery Creek in the old days, yeah. about UFOs or ghosts? I mean, at one stage, the University of Waikato had a ghost-busting unit, and they were going and looking for supernatural events in really? the city. Really? And what started it was actually thinking about, when I was at Wong Matar in 1978, that summer was about blondes and beaches and surfing yeah. and UFOs. 1978 was the year the Kaikoura UFOs oh. were actually caught and filmed and caught on radar, tracked on radar, and it went across the planet. Everyone that has have, have any interest in UFOs and UFO stories and X-Files They know about the Kokura sighting. And the reason why it was so interesting is because, yes, it was an eyewitness. There were planes that saw it. Yes, there was film footage shot by the crew that was on board the Argosy plane. And thirdly, it was tracked on radar from Wellington. So you've got three different ways in which this particular UFO, whatever it was, whether it was a natural phenomena or ETs, uh, it was actually verified that something strange was in the air. So I thought, you know what? We've got to have some Hamilton ones. So I put the question out this weekend in the Waikato Times, saying, "Where are Hamilton's X files?"
1: I tell you what, I can I can bring you one that may pique your interest. Um, I got a tattoo on my shoulder of my uh, it's my daughter's Penny and Daisy. It's a Daisy with a Penny in the middle of it, and it was a, it was a drunken bet with a, an old co-host. But my, long 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 story. The tattoo artist, right, reckoned that he had been abducted by a UFO and they've been brought back, and he thinks that most tattoo artists have and what he says is we're not actually putting tattoos into you. We're actually putting little uh receptors so that the aliens can keep a track of you in your tattoos. That's what he reckons they are, little tiny little little chips that are going into your skin. Now I can put you
0: on. Is, he's yeah, dead. I was gonna say
1: where is he and can I talk to him? He's dead. He died oh. in a motorcycle crash. And I'm 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 part of me thinks it's because he told me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're, they're coming oh. after you, mate. Yeah, but, but, but it's but, quite but, plausible, but, isn't it? It's quite plausible. Well, yes, it is. And, and and again, the thing I come back to with this is that if you look around Hamilton, there are some old ghost stories. Yeah. All around the Waikato, the Waitomo Hotel, evidently, is riddled with ghost stories. And what I really want to see, if if we can dig these stories out and say, okay, this is X-Files a, week. We've got Mystery yeah. Creek going on with the field days, and there's some stories behind that that will scare you. Yeah. Um, but can we yeah. find the real stories of things that can't be explained, things that are kind of strange, like these crop circles my wife reported on for the Waikato Times 35 years ago. UFOs, there are folks that are uh, at Wong that, claim they have seen UFOs out there, I, I put it down to too much southern comfort or something yeah. else without actually <laughs> yeah. on, on at the a, time.
1: It's a Coromandel after all, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Indeed it is. So, you know, there's a bit of a grain of salt in that one. Yeah, but yeah.
1: what I what, what I bet
0: is if you dug under the surface of Hamilton people and Hamilton stories, yeah. I reckon you're going to find some really interesting yarns that people know about, you know, family tales that are shared within family, but certainly you don't go on radio like I'm doing this morning yeah. to say, I want to believe,
1: tell yeah. me your stories, I very cool, because there are some places that you walk past and you just get a shiver, and you just kind of know that something's gone down there. And it it could be way back from the Māori wars. It could be anything, couldn't it? Um, Well, it's interesting you touch on that, because that's something I'm utterly
0: intrigued with, is the Māori wars around the region. I bet there are stories that uh, people know about and share within family circles. And I'd love to be able to publish some of those stories and see what they are and see if we can verify in some way uh whether they are historical fact or whatever that brings some substance and some detail to
1: the story the late richie pickett used to be fascinated by the maori wars and he used to tell some great stories he, he told me one actually which freaked me out when we were coming down past the rangariri uh one day and it was about uh now the, the guts of it is and, and my apologies if i get the details wrong i don't mean any disrespect but the guts of it was that maori were phenomenal cunning warriors and uh the old brits Send a scout in to look for, uh, look for you know, a village and see who was there before they you know, went in and sort of just pillaged the place. He never came back. And so they thought, right, we'll go charging in. They went charging into this village. And obviously, the villagers had left reasonably recently because the soup was still in this big cauldron. And they thought, all right, well, they're not here. We'll eat their soup. Yum, yum. They ate their soup. They got to the bottom of the soup. And in the soup was the head of the scout. <laughs> completely demoralised them. Now, that's a great Ritchie Pickett story, man, I tell you. Whether it's true or not, I'll be, I'll be keen for you to get your forensic investigation going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Indeed, we can look at that. <laughs> hey, one final five, final point before yeah. we go this morning. And this is a point I raised in the column for the Waikato Times last Saturday. And it's one I think that's, that kind of, it may put, shine a light on how mature Hamilton is getting or perhaps not getting. Mm-hmm. And the question I'm raising is today, millions of dollars are going to change hands for farming equipment, for oh, farming yeah. advice. It's a big deal. It's one of the biggest I think in the Southern Hemisphere with field days on at the moment. Mm. But there's one other side industry that gets a lot of money this time of year and it's the sex industry. It's the the working girls and I guess the working boys make a lot of money at this time of year. That story is actually detailed in the original uh, Field Days history. Oh, it was well known. Yeah. It, it is part of the whole thing that the cockies come to town and, and have fun. Now, I don't want to deal in the morality of the issue. That's over to people to make up their own minds about. But what I do want to raise as an issue is is that is Hamilton big enough and bold enough and brave enough now to say, you know what, we need a sex expo at Falling showground to help <laughs> to help pay the bills. All you would need to do is you would need to stage it during Mystery Creek weekend, field days weekend. And you'll be able to print some money to pay the bills for the Clawlands Event Centre. And with so him. that's the that's that's <laughs> the question of the day. And I understand Martin Gallagher is coming in afterwards. Yeah, well, um, ask ask him. Uh, if, if, no. if, if it's a good idea.
1: I feel really icky. You going straight to Martin Gallagher after talking about <laughs> sex expos, but well, he he wants to take issue with something you said last week about the terms of councillors and stuff. And apparently he has a connection with you. So I'm looking forward to um to catching up on this. Say eh? and, and thank you for the insight too. I'm going to bring up one of those points you raised. With <laughs> Look, ah.
0: let, let me let, let me confirm something quite publicly. Martin yeah. Gallagher, I think, is one of our most valued public servants in the city's history. Yeah. He was my teacher at Boys High, and uh, he goes back a long way with my family to a crush that uh, he had on my sister. And I'm sure he'll be, he'll be quite pleased to have that now publicly acknowledged. We now are probably about seven or eight years old. So uh, oh. I have so much respect and genuine affection for Martin Geller. I think he's a, there should be a statue of him next to Ruff Raff. It's one of the best people the city's ever produced.
1: Mate, sometimes when he's thinking, I think he is a statue. So we're, we're halfway there, mate. <laughs> all, all the best. Uh, lovely to talk with you, Max. We'll talk to you next week, mate. Yep, thanks, thanks Mark. Look, and we'll look forward to you coming in the uh, Waikato Times this weekend, too, about mysteries. 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 As a mist rolls in. Uh,
0: Mr. Funky. For more episodes of this Community Access Radio Show, please visit freefm.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast possible by funding the Access Internet Radio Project.